from hidden local hotspots to outrageous wildlife rescues and trend-setting hotels. WestCoastTraveler.com shares the latest travel news from your local community and beyond. Travel the spectacular west coast of the U.S. and Canada without leaving your armchair and start taking notes for your next adventure. Make your next vacation or staycation the best it can be. Visit westcoasttraveler.com. This is the Mojon Sports Podcast. A deeper dive into the great personalities we know and love. Now, here's your host, Bob the Moj Marjanovich. Welcome to MoJohnSports.com, episode 10. Today, the bio features Rick Campbell, head coach of the BC Lions of the Canadian Football League. Of course, his name, that last name, synonymous with success in the CFL. His dad, Hugh, guided the Edmonton Eskimos to five Grey Cup championships in the late 70s and early 80s. And of course, Rick has won, well, three Grey Cup championships himself, of course, one is a head coach with the Ottawa Red Blacks. Looking forward to hearing about Rick and his journey. Redefine how you lead. Take the next step in your leadership journey with Ignite Management. Become a leader that positively impacts those around you. Create an environment where your team thrives. Be in control of your own development with a detailed analysis of your leadership style, complete with actionable insights and recommendations. Visit ignitemanagement.ca for more info. This is the Mojon Sports Podcast. Time now for our feature bio. Here's Bob the Moj Marjanovic. Coach Rick Campbell joins us on the Mojon Sports Podcast. Coach, thanks for taking time out today. Good to be here. So with this series, we talk to individuals about their journey, their story, so to speak. Tell us about Rick Campbell growing up and just the story there about how you got involved in sports, how you got involved in football, obviously with your dad, but I imagine on other angles as well. Yeah, I mean, when you talk about people being lifelong sports people, I fit that bill. So I never was alive when my dad played, but soon after he played and he started his coaching career and management career, I grew up in different cities and got to see the pro football life firsthand from the get-go. You got to see it rather early with those Eskimo teams. I'm doing the math. You were probably like, what, 8, 9, 10 during the dynasty years? Yeah, elementary school. When I was younger, I just, when you had it between the the Eskimos and the Oilers winning all the time, you just assumed that's what happened all the time. So I was one of those spoiled Edmonton people that just assumed you, you win every single year. Must have been pretty disappointing when they, when either the Oilers or the Eskimos first lost. You must have been like 13 or 14 oh, by then. Yeah, I just remember the people in town, the people were critical is that when you, if you lost the championship, if you were second best, that wasn't good enough. So I remember those days. How tough was it bouncing around as a kid? Obviously with your dad moving from job to job, was it difficult? Was it hard? I went to two different high schools and I it couldn't have been even two more as far as culture shock goes. I went to a couple of years in Houston, Texas, and then I finished up in Edmonton. So you can imagine just the difference of that. I think I moved five times before I graduated from high school. And as far as pro sports goes, if your parents are involved in pro sports, it's actually not too bad. So it was pretty stable. My parents always did a really good job of making everything very normal. 
we were just another family on the block. And my dad always did the same thing. That's all I ever knew. In high school, it was harder just to start making friends and doing all those things and being on the football team and stuff and then switching over to Edmonton. It wasn't that I didn't like Edmonton. It was just when you get uprooted again. But I wouldn't trade it for the world. Going into college, I had so much experience. I lived in California, Texas, Canada, Spokane, Washington. I'd been around. So looking back, obviously, I would never trade those experiences in for anything. But they say travel is the best education sometimes, right? Travel and yeah, culture and just yeah. seeing di different stuff and meeting all kinds of different people. And like I said, by as I grew older, I definitely appreciated having all those different experiences. What was the biggest thing you appreciated out of those experiences? I think just meeting all the different kinds of people and meeting good people and knowing that they were everywhere. There's good people and there's, there's jerks <laughs> wherever you are in the world. But just knowing that having family and you always could adapt and you could always meet new people in new situations. So I knew that nothing was permanent, but having friends and family was always the most important thing. And that rings true today. Back in a previous life, I was lucky enough to coach at UBC with Frank Smith and his late son, Casey Smith, who eventually wound up taking over the program. And I remember talking to Casey about what it was like growing up with his dad, the football coach. And a lot of times they'd be talking football over dinner. It was almost like Casey learned a lot of his football just through osmosis. Did you kind of have the same pattern in terms of the game and learning it? Yeah, I would say a lot of it was osmosis and seeing thousands of games growing up whether that was on TV or watching my dad's teams or whoever that was. So it was never forced on me, but obviously just with the way it was, there was a lot of football watched in a lot of situations and just discussing whether it was college football or the CFL or the NFL or whatever that was. Again, that was just something I always knew. And it was always the same for me growing up because my dad had always done that job ever since I was born. So that's all I really knew. Football at Washington State, you start becoming, I think you were, what, a high school teacher, if I'm not mistaken? I was actually a really good high school football player to toot my own horn. There was a little bit of intimidation, you know, following my dad, who was a pretty big deal in his day as a player and a coach. And I was either going to go the route of a smaller school and keep playing or else maybe forge my own path in a different direction. And I didn't know if I was going to do football. It wasn't that I didn't like it, but I wanted to strike my own path and do my own thing. And I was interested in being a weatherman or being a high school teacher or whatever that was. And I actually ended up teaching high school for two years in Spokane, Washington, but I also coached baseball and football as well as teaching and stuff. I got the opportunity to go to the University of Oregon, and that's where I really took the deep dive into football. So I got a chance to be a graduate assistant and basically a graduate assistant at the highest college level is basically being a full-time coach and not getting paid for it. I took a shot at it. I just realized I really liked it. I could communicate with the players. I thought I was good at it and just enjoyed the experience and just stuck with it. So once I did the Oregon thing and I ended up being there for three years, that's where I committed to doing the football thing. And I liked the weird hours, the crazy, that it was just so unique every day in football of different things happening. And it's definitely not the typical nine to five job, but I loved it. And so I just kept doing it. Rich Stubler was the guy that got you into Oregon, like that connection, right? That was initially the connection, exactly. And I appreciate him for that. 
And then he ended up leaving and I stayed longer. So the thing I appreciated at Oregon is I got to be around several really good coaches and Oregon was on the rise at that point. They were definitely in growth mode, but even on the same staff when I was there, Mike Blotty was the head coach, Dirk Cutter, who's been a head coach in the NFL and college, Chris Peterson, who was the head coach at Washington and Boise State. Jeff Tedford was there. Wow. Another head coach. Mark Helfrich was actually the offensive GA. You only have two GAs. I was on defense. He was on offense. He became their head coach. So talk about a great way to be introduced into high level football with those guys around and talk about learning a bunch of stuff and seeing guys that go on to do big things. I was a pretty lucky guy to be in that situation. You were mentioning something earlier about your dad. Obviously, there's so many positives and advantages to having a dad who did what he did in football like yours. But I imagine there also comes some, so I don't want to say negatives, but in terms of the pressure or things like that. Did you see that or feel that throughout your career? I think you do a little bit. He doesn't ever make me feel that way. That's not mm -hmm. a product of the way my parents act or he acts. If anything, I think he's very well aware of it too. So I do think that does exist. He had so much success as a coach and as a player. Like I said, he was a, don't tell him I said this, but he was a pretty big deal back in his day. Yeah. So yeah, that definitely exists. But I give my parents credit is my dad's a pretty modest guy. Not a guy that's wearing his gray cup rings around or doing things like that. So he's pretty modest and easygoing. And, and like I said, football was never pressed on me or anything like that. It was they, with all my sisters and me, it was always find your own path on what you want to do. Well, you talk about pressure. You go from Oregon to, I believe, the Edmonton Eskimos in what, 2000? Yeah. DB and special teams coach. You're 28 at the time. I imagine there had to be some pressure there in the sense that, oh, he's Huey's kid. And at the same time, you never played the game. So at the CFL level, I should say. So you don't have that card you can play. And I imagine at the same time, you even probably have players that are older than you that you're trying to coach. How tough of a transition was that? And what were some of the challenges? That was another big decision for me. After two years at Oregon, I had a chance to go to the CFL. I didn't do it. I wanted to stay at Oregon and do that another year. Coming out, when you get done being a GA in those days, usually you go the smaller college route and then work your way back up. And so I had to make a choice of either doing the CFL or doing the some type of probably Division II type job. And Idaho the CFL, State. Yeah, the CFL pays way better and you're, it's good football. That's the thing, not to get off track, but people don't realize the level of players playing in the CFL compared to, you know, the best guys are playing on 41 teams between the NFL and the CFL. Anyway, I ended up going to Edmonton. The thing that made it better for me is Don Matthews was the head coach. Don is going to do things that help the football team, that he's going to hire people that think they're going to help. And that was a decision Don made. And again, another guy I get to be around who's a pretty special guy as far as football coaches goes that made a big impact the thing I've always relied on in football which is still true is what I like about football and sports is you can't really hide whether you're a player a coach or whatever your role is on the team is either you're helping the team or you're not and that doesn't get hidden you're out there and exposed as far as you're helping or you're not and I just always relied on that and I always relied on my happiness on that being in jobs where you're enjoying it, it's hard work, but you're enjoying the job. And that's how it was. I know what it was like being 28, moving in a situation like that. And that's why I've never been 
scared of hiring younger people because I know if you find the people with the right personality, they'll go and they'll grow really fast. And like I said, being around with a established head coach like Don Matthews, that made that decision easier. I think the other thing too, like at that age and been talking to coaches and some of the experiences that I've seen and heard and been part of, it's don't try to BS them either. Either you know it or you don't. If you don't know it, don't try to BS them because then you lose all your cred. Like I said, you can't hide it. I think it really helped. Those three years, the three years at Oregon were huge too. Like I said, I was around some pretty, again, pretty impactful people in football and a team that was on the rise and getting better. And you could see a program that was doing a lot of things right and getting better. And so all those experiences as they went gave me the confidence to know that I could hang in there and do my job. More with Rick Campbell in a second, but i got to tell you about my friends at Stoco. Every athlete looking for a competitive edge, of course, you can find one at stocodesign.com. K1's Embrace system wraps your legs with over 90 feet of high-strength support cables that are directly integrated into an ultra-comfortable compression type. The cabling, while well, it's positioned to naturally move with you, supporting your knee when you need it most, you can customize your level of support with two control dials in the waistband. This is high-tech stuff. It's awesome. This is the future of niche support. Visit stocodesign.com for more info. Whenever it comes to tires or meeting your automotive needs, I only send my friends to one place, OK Tire & Langley. OK Tire & Langley is more than just tires. It's about complete automotive care, and it's about being treated right by my good friends, the Delaney family. Delaney's OK Tire & Langley, 19863 Fraser Highway, or call them at 604-530-2545. You're listening to the Mojon Sports Podcast. You win a great cup with Edmonton in 03 against the Alouettes in Regina. Um, probably one of the coldest days I've ever experienced. I know because I was doing the Edmonton Eskimos sidelines for the radio broadcast. Okay. And it was so cold that I couldn't even do interviews from the field after the game because the mic was actually cracking up and we couldn't get a connection. You know, some of the memories of that game, I remember Leo Groenwagen, an old UBC friend of mine that grabbed his son and hauled him over the railing. It was Leo's first Grey Cup after being in the league for over a decade. I do remember it being cold, but it was your first Grey Cup. What did it mean for you to win that Grey Cup and to win it with the team that your dad had coached? To be honest with you at the time, I wasn't thinking too much about it, but it was one of those things where you're working and you're so excited and you're just trying to win a football game. And so I, that's the way I looked at it. Again, I give my parents a lot of credit because they didn't make a big deal of it. It's not like they don't appreciate it. I'm not saying that, but they don't make that big a deal of it. So definitely proud, all that stuff. But I think it was more just proud of winning a great cup. And again, getting to be on a team that was on the rise when I got to Edmonton and we kept getting better. It was just the way it was going. And as you would know, the reason we do all this moving around, crazy hours, public criticism, all the stuff that happens with pro sports everywhere all the time is you cannot replicate that feeling of winning a great cup or winning a championship. That's what keeps us all going and doing that whole thing. So that's what I remember is just that feeling of exhilaration of being on a team with people and then winning the whole thing. It's like no other feeling I've ever had. You bounce around the CFL, uh, various jobs before you get to Ottawa, but what did you learn during your stops through those different cities, those different teams like Calgary and Winnipeg? And who were some of the influences on your career at that point? 
I had a couple steps and I did a couple things right. I went to Winnipeg for a year, which it was a strange year with Mike Kelly was the head coach. And it was a very strange year. We had a lot of good players, kind of a lot of turmoil, just stuff going on. So it was an eye opener of just, again, you're getting exposed to more people and more things in a different city and that. And I actually really liked that year. It was a good experience. We were all let go there. I made a conscious decision as I went to Calgary as the running backs coach. And the reason I did it, I'd always worked on special teams. I've been a special teams coordinator, been a defensive coordinator. And I think in the big picture, I wanted to try to be a head coach someday if it worked. And I thought, what better situation could I be in than to be around a guy like John Huffnagel and Dave Dickinson was there at the time and just being on that team and working on the offensive side of the ball and just getting that whole experience. I think the one thing I did learn is to be around good people. That's where you learn stuff. And so I didn't want to pass up that opportunity when I can do that, even though my objective was not to be a running back coach the rest of my life, but it was just to round me out as it went. And then I went there I went to Edmonton for a season and then came back to Calgary as the defensive coordinator, which was a role I was more used to. So I bounced around a bit, but I did it on purpose for a reason of getting experience and trying to keep working my way up. There's an old saying in sports, and one I believe holds true in football especially, they say, don't take a job where you know you can't win. You hear that quite a bit. What made you believe that you were going to win with an expansion team in Ottawa? For some reason, I don't know, I have these gut instincts once in a while. Sometimes things just feel right to me. I can't quite explain it. One was like going to Calgary, but I actually, at the time, I was thinking I was crazy. I was the defensive coordinator in Calgary. We were good every year. I was thinking I got the best job in the CFL. I don't have to be the head coach. (laughs) Some people think being the head coach is like the ultimate thing, but there's a lot of advantages to not being the head coach as far as focusing on football and doing all those things. And so my mindset is I had the best job in the CFL being the defensive coordinator in Calgary. And then the Ottawa thing came up and I actually had said for a couple of years when they were talking about Ottawa coming back, that it was just something I was interested in. I had zero ties to Ottawa. And when I say none, I knew nobody there. I didn't know the city. I didn't know anything. And so I said, that sounds perfect. So I went out and interviewed And I think what I liked about it was there were no strings attached. I had no history with them. It would be a clean slate. Um, It would truly be building something from the ground up and taking everything that I'd learned from all over the years, from Oregon on, of all the different people I'd been around, of just trying to make it a good football program. And I knew that if I got that job, it was strictly on merit. Like I said, I didn't know anyone and I had no ties to the city. So it truly was a clean slate. And that was cool. I appreciate Marcel Desjardins for hiring me. And I think there were three of us, four of us to start. And that no coaches, no players, no nothing. No stadium, no equipment. That's intimidating if you go into something like that. So anyways, from the go of that in 2014 to playing in the Grey Cup in 2015 and winning it in 16. I don't know if you can have a much better experience than that. So you start a team from scratch, and I guess this would hold true for basically anybody starting a business from scratch or whatever, but what were you looking for in your athletes? What were the traits that you were looking for when you were building this team? 
Number one is you have to have talent. If their guys aren't talented enough, you can't win. But the thing that needs to be mixed in with the talent is character and some good people. Just even throughout the building in the organization, from who at it, whatever it is, the thing I did learn from my dad is that every hiring matters, whether it's the assistant equipment guy or whoever it is on the team, they all matter. So you really want to think things through and think that's what we're trying to do there is keep stacking positive pieces and I just remember after the first year we weren't good in the standings but we knew we were going to be good everyone in the building thought we got something good going here we just need to add a few more pieces and that's what ended up happening and the character thing cannot be underestimated because in pro sports the talent level generally speaking is very similar that's why hockey games are four to three or all that stuff when you think of teams winning whatever championships it comes down to a few plays and so you're looking for some tough-minded people that can when whatever the saying is when the going gets tough they come through and so I think that's what we were looking for in Ottawa and we ended up going to the Grey Cup three out of four years and that was pretty good. You know, it's interesting. I think you draw a parallel between building an organization and building a team in the sense that you mentioned every hiring is important, just like your team. Every player that's on that team is important, no matter what role he plays. And with those individuals, you have to give them that investment or that stake that they believe their role is important. Same thing with an organization. And I think a lot of people don't realize when you have a winning team, you actually have a winning organization. And I always think about a Super Bowl and to a lesser extent, a Grey Cup on a smaller scale, but your entire organization at that point is being tested. It's not just about the players going on the field. How can your guys, your equipment guys, your video guys, all that try to make this quote a normal week? Are your front office people on top of hotel requests, ticket requests, all those things that players don't have to worry about. And then when you look at quote, a winning organization, it's like, how do our scouts work with one another how is our scouting department i just think a lot of times when people think of an organization they think coach gm players but man it's that whole culture that you have in the building that leads to winning you're exactly right that's a lot of the behind the scenes things that don't get talked about a lot but all of that matters the thing you learn about people is not when it's going well when you're on a winning streak or you just won the championship that part's easy as far as the culture because everybody's getting a pat on the back and saying what a great job they did. It's when you go through a tough time, if you go through a tough loss or you have a losing streak or whatever happens, that's where you really find out if people will hang in there and keep their head down and keep working and not point fingers and do all those things. And if you got that, that's where the magic happens. If you got people that don't blame other people or point fingers, then that's where the good stuff happens. And those are the teams I've been on that haven't always had a winning record, but the next year I knew good things were coming because you add a little bit more talent to that culture and then the good stuff can happen. You mentioned becoming a head coach and there's pros and cons to it. Do you think you're taking away more from the X's and O's as a head coach and more of a quote people manager at that point? Yeah, you are a people manager. That's the one thing I did know about if I was going to do this head coaching thing. When I said, careful what you wish for on being the head coach, I guess it's what you're looking for. Do you want to be a scheme guy and really dive into the scheme type of stuff, which is great. I love that. That's fun. Or do you want to worry about 85 different people's feelings and how their days are? And 
Are they getting enough attention? All those things that matter and human beings can be pretty complicated sometimes. So I think that all goes again to what you said about the importance of the strength of the organization is that we all can pick each other up as if you're going through some rough days or rough moments. Hopefully the majority of the team is in the operating from a place of strength and then that carries everybody through. And I think that's what's so interesting about football as you got people from every background, every race, every geography, economic, all, all kinds of people, physically looking different, small, big, all those things. And to throw all those people together to try to achieve a common goal, I think that's what, that's what makes football so fun. And challenging as well and rewarding. You take the job in BC. What did you learn from Ottawa in that experience and now coming to BC that you can apply here? Again, I think it's going to come down to people and surrounding, keep adding pieces. I view us in the mode as I thought last year, we obviously started off pretty well, then we hit a rough stretch. But again, I liked the attitude of the core group of guys. And I think it was a deal where, again, if we can add a little bit more pieces and be a little more consistent that all of a sudden we can flip it to being on the other side of the win-loss column. I also think continuity helps out a lot. That's my other experience of, I think that's why a team like Calgary has been good over the years. They have continuity as far as a core group of people. And that's the one thing I'm hopeful for is with our coaching staff, as we retain so much of the coaching staff and we retained enough players to where now we're not starting from ground zero together. We've had a year together to work. And so you're starting at a higher point when you hit training camp. So it's hard. Winning's hard. I don't know what's going to happen, but I am hopeful. I'm hoping with the pieces we've added, that's just going to take us up a couple more notches. And then you start winning those close games. And like I said, all of a sudden things look different. How long do you plan on coaching? I don't know. I sure really like it still. I think the BC thing was good. I think sometimes a change is good in life, whatever that is, a job or whatever it is. And it's sure exciting right now, the new owner and the whole thing, it feels good to me. And I think that's the big driver of coaching. But to do it right, it does take a lot out of you. The game of football, whether you're a player, a coach, or whatever it is. So I'm feeling good right now. So take it year by year. But I tell you what, I'm totally grateful because I know not very many people have these jobs. And there are thousands of people that would be turning in their resumes to be coaches at the professional level and players, whoever that yeah. is. So Definitely thankful and grateful for it and try to make the most of it and keep going from there. Coach, this has been a blast. Thanks so much for doing this. We appreciate it. Thanks. The Mojon Sports Podcast. For more episodes, check out mojonsports.com. Get fast access to breaking news by signing up now to Black Press Media's free newsletters and stay informed with all the latest news delivered directly to your inbox. You'll have access on any device, so you never have to miss out again on the information you need to know.